Trash. Trash. This Friday, November 17th, tomorrow, Andre 3, oh, tomorrow at the time of this stream, uh, Andre 3000 will drop his first solo album, New Blue Sun is Not What You Expect. Instead of beats, bars, and singing, the 87-minute record showcases Andre the flautist. Uh, he plays contrabass flute, Mayan flutes, bamboo flutes, and digital wind instruments, NPR reports. One track is called, I swear, I really wanted to make a rap album, but this is literally the way the wind blew me this time. Another is named 93 Tell Infinity and Beyonce. The full track list below is worth a look. Uh, Andre 2000 has been mostly silent since Outkast's last album in 2006, which won a Grammy. He has released some songs of his own and collaborated with artists like Beyonce, Drake, Freak Ocean. Uh, but he has not made any long-form releases on his own, making New Blue Sun his first full-length album since the 2006 Outkast LP, Idlewild. Um, he has been seen as an eccentric wandering figure in Atlanta in airports and around the world with his flute images that fans love sh to share online. I laugh at it because my homies in Atlanta will talk and they'll be like, man, you know, uh, you know, blank think you crazy to fuck around with this flute. He told NPR, um, the album came from jams Andre 3000 did with the renowned percussionist Carlo Nino. Uh, they, bought, they brought in keyboardist Surya Botofasina and guitarist Nate Mershola uh, and recorded the improvisations that make up the LP. Andre 3000 said to NPR, It's not like I don't try or it's not like I have a lot of th these songs just sitting. I have songs, but it's not like rap things that I really feel happy about sharing. And really, that's the most important part. I have to feel happy about sharing it. That's why New Blue Sun was something that I realized, whoa, I really want people to hear it. I really want to share it. I love that it's just this improvised album. <laughs> I really need to share this with everybody. He asked friend he asked artist friends to listen to early versions. Frank Ocean liked it. Tyler, the creator, said one song helped him figure out a complex Louis Vuitton travel suitcase, saying it sounds like you're chasing a butterfly through a garden. And I figured it out. Andre 3000 said he still works on rap tracks, but it's kind of like, I don't know how to rock on that. Really, in a way, I feel great about it. So if I can't find a way to rock on it, I kind of leave it there. The new album is inspired by La Rahi, Brian Eno, Alice Coltrane, Steve Reich, Pharaoh uh, Sanders, and an uh, ayahuasca trip where Andre 3000 became a panther. See the third track. Uh, in NPR interview... Andre 3000 also talked about Virgil Abelow's family request that he play flute at the late designer's funeral. I denied it, but only because I felt like I would be a distraction. Andre 3000 said, I don't know. I just felt like it would have taken away from the moment. And I only know Virgil through text and a few conversations. So I couldn't pretend like I knew him that well. I was honored that the family asked me to play the funeral, but I couldn't. <sighs> what a dick. Other instrumentalists on a Blue Moon Sun are Dean Dean Tony Parks Diego Gaita 
Um, Matthew, David, and others. Um, and you can find that whole interview on uh, NPR's Rodney Carmichael for All Songs Considered. Here's the track list. I think the track list is fucking hilarious. Uh, track one, I swear I really wanted to make a rap album, but this is literally the way the wind blew me this time. Track two, the slang word pussy rolls off the tongue with far better ease than the proper word vagina. Do you agree? <laughs> he asked a question. The, this song asked a question. Uh, track three, that night in Hawaii when I turned into a panther and started making these low register purring tones that I couldn't control. Shit was wild. <laughs> Four, bipolar bipolo disorder. And bi is B-U-Y and polo, P-O-L-O, disorders. So bipolar disorders. Daughter wears a 3,000... R button down embroidered. <laughs> Track five, 93 till infinity and Beyonce. Track six, Gandhi, Dalai Lama, your Lord and Savior, JC, Bundy, Jeffrey Dahmer, and John Wayne Gacy. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, track seven, ants to you, gods to who? Um, hmm, that's actually really good. Um, <clears throat> Eight, dreams once buried beneath the dungeon floor slowly sprout into undying gardens. <laughs> I love that. I love that he did that. Um, I would love to hear a hip-hop album from Andre, but I'm. it's pretty cool that he uh, just is doing whatever the fuck he wants. I'm going to listen to the album. That's happening. So uh, GQ just released this uh, interview with him. Uh, a few hours ago and it's pretty interesting uh let's check it out see if there's any good moments that we can uh i can make into uh short form content so this is some of the flute playing from the album now i don't know if that's a double reeded instrument which means you hear two harmonies within that one flute now i don't know if that's two flutes but some flutes actually have two two reeded systems where they make harmonizing notes on uh for you know in one single uh instrument in October 2023, Andre 3000 met up with a GQ writer Zach Barron at a laundromat in like season season food. Like I hate bland food. Okay. So I like I like season uh in Los Angeles. So he's in Los Angeles. Season food. Like I hate bland food. Okay. So I season my clothes a lot. What the fuck does that mean? What does that mean that he's seasoning his clothes? What the fuck does that mean? In a past life, Andre 2000 was half of Outkast, one of the greatest rap groups of all time. Absolutely true. One of my homies told me, like, after I finished Hey Ya and I played it for him, he said, man, if you put that out, man, your career is over. <laughs> <laughs> Outkast's last record was Idlewild, released in 2006. Andre hasn't released an album since. So about 17 years in the making. He hasn't released an album since 2006 until now. That's like one of the, the coolest things about the recording. Like I'm actually listening to myself be a baby at something, you know, be a baby at this new machine that I've never touched. Which is really cool. And as a young man, I found it daunting to just get past the 
barrier of entry into like guitar or, or instrumentation. Um, but you know, you trudge through it and eventually you're able to do things that are kind of cool and impressive, I suppose. Um, but when you learn it as a child, your brain is so elastic. I feel like it's such an easier path, right? Like you want to learn another language as a child, not as an adult. Um, but the important thing about aging is this idea of introducing new hobbies, new ideas, new ways of thinking into your daily uh, you know, activities because it keeps your brain fucking shooting hot fire, right? Like, I feel like if you want to be that guy who's like 90 and fucking has their entire mind and still clear headed and shit, I mean, for the most part, I mean, no matter what, you're going to get old and your brain's going to get a little dim, but it's okay. Uh, it's just how fucking this rotting meat wagon works. But when you see those people who end up being, you know, pretty clear headed all the way until their death, they tend to be people who read a lot, who do, you know, a lot of different things. And so at some point, as we get older, the importance of introducing new hobbies, new things to learn, I feel like it's very important to keep that brain elasticity going because the last thing you want is some plaque to build up on your brain. And I, I think that's wrong now. I don't even think that's what they believe anymore. I wonder if this guy ever texts me back. I feel like he didn't. Sorry, I'm ADHD again, guys. So, somebody wants to buy my stabilizer, but they just sort of ghosted me. So, whatever. I don't care. All right, let's get back to this. In November 2023, Andre releases his first solo record, New Blue Sun. November. This feels like 80s doctor's office. <laughs> I think it's cozier than that. Psychiatrist's office. Psychiatrist's office. There we go. In the GQ video cover story. Oh, damn. That's dope. That's amazing, man. Oh, thank you, man. What's up, man? What's up? Bring it in, bring it in. I like the shirt. Oh, thank you. Thank cool, you very much. Cool. Yeah. Let yeah. me see the you shirt. Know, stripes. Yeah. Just, just trying to be like you. It's stripe just time. Trying to be like you. Get your stripes. Yeah, yeah. We should make it clear that you actually use this laundromat. Yeah, yeah. This is a laundromat uh, not too far from my house. How'd you end up out here? I was making a move from, from New York, and it was really supposed to be like a, like a six-month kind of, you know, reset. You know, come to California, get some sun. Hey. Hey, what is that? <laughs> I got it from a Ramsey's the Great Museum in San Fran. We went to this thing, um, and I bought this just as. And as now he's just the, la the laundry guard. He hangs out like yeah. I sit him in the in the the window sill of my car. Like me and my son, kind of like I think Seven may have put like just a plain rubber duck. And then when I saw this one, I was like, Yeah, yeah, that's gonna, beautiful. We're gonna freak it like that's the Egyptian. <laughs> we got a freaking Egyptian one. So he has a little rubber ducky with like an Egyptian, an Egyptian like frock on the head. I don't know if frock is the right word for it, but it's like this, you know, I mean, if you imagine like King Tut and that like thing on the side, on his head, I don't know, whatever. 
yeah, yeah. So that's for people listening. And yeah, it's like kinda. your son a little bit with you too. Yeah. I think people would be surprised to know that you go to a laundromat to do your laundry. I am surprised. Yeah, but but only for that kind of convenience thing. And and it's fun for me because what? it gives me a chance to kind of uh, to be out in the world. And like when I'm putting clothes in the dryer, I usually go out in the alley and practice. You know, I play my instrument out in the alley. And it's just something to do to get out in the sun a little bit. What is important about being out in the world? Uh, meeting people. Hmm. Like I met this old lady here. Um, she was from Vienna. I had my bass clarinet at the time and I was kind of playing and she says, uh, the, your music, the music that you're playing, it reminds me of my old country. We sparked up like a real cool friendship. And she was like, if you come here next Saturday, I'll bring you all of my old record collection of classical music from Vienna. And she told me a time to meet her, but unfortunately I was late. And so when I came, I, she wasn't around. So I hadn't seen her. So I'm hoping she's still alive, you know. <laughs> He's like, lady with the records, please. See, that's why you got to be on time, folks. That's why you got to be on time. If you, want, if you want those Vienna record collections of classical music, you'll be on time. Do people clock that it's you when you're here? Nah, she didn't she know who I was. It's kind of like some people may recognize me. Like, oh, man. Mighty, mighty, with the later's naders, fucking 40 minutes after he left. Coming in hot, mighty, mighty. That's cool, but it's not like crazy. Like, I kind of like what my life is where I, can, where I can come and do this. You know what I mean? Like, a lot of my contemporaries, like, I kind of feel bad for them, you know, because we got children and like, sometimes like some of these people can't even go out without having paparazzi follow them. And it's like, it's not, that's, that's a whack. That's a whack ass life, man. Like, I kind of like some normalcy, even though it's not normal, but I came from that. Like, I used to hang out at, you know, the laundromat, like when we didn't have a wash and dry at, at our house. My mom worked at the beauty salon, so it's like I'm in these places, social kind of situation, you know? Yeah, when you say normalcy, what do you mean by that? Walk with your family and not have people follow you and chase you, and you can't take your kid to the park and play because people will Was follow your life you. ever like that? At certain times, uh, I think maybe at the height of at the height of Outkast, um, over ye like years of like letting it simmer a little bit, and I'm older now, so a lot of people they see me like you look like him, but nah, nah, that ain't three thousand. So it's like it's funny because it's like when you're 19, you're probably working towards like anything but normal. You know, you're working towards like so, oh, so let's, funny. let's be successful. Let's 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 see where this can go. Exactly. And then you spend the back end of it trying to work your way back to the there's life you want what you want to you don't want it me and big boy used to literally pray every night lord really really we just want to be good rappers that's that was our prayer it was called like a rapper's prayer like <laughs> the rapper's prayer is that like squat rap prayer thing <laughs> please lord make me a good rapper <laughs> lord we really just want to be good rappers and we did that and it's kind of like now we're seeing that it's happened I love that it's happened. Like, I don't regret any of that, but it's kind of like now that I'm at a certain level, I miss certain things about normalcy. And like, I'm an only child, so I've always kind of been to myself anyway. I kind of like my solitary kind of chill life. You know, and as, as someone who has lived like a fucking wildlife in that sense, and not in any sense of being famous, obviously, but 
<clears throat> of traveling and playing music and every day is some crazy different adventure that lasts like fucking 15 to 17 hours <laughs> you know like you're building towards something and as you get older I, I just find myself wanting to be alone and not deal with it just be with my family and even 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 with my family I, I, I still there's times where I just need to be alone and um, I wasn't I wasn't an only child, but I definitely it would like my my sister left the house early, so it was just me for a long, long time. So it was um uh I, I did have a lot of time by myself, which I, I like. I like being by myself sometimes. But I also love being around my family. I just don't like being around a bunch of people all the time and I don't wanna be in that position, you know, like there is times when it's fun, but like you know, I'm mentally prepared for all that. But like running around doing all this shit I, I just got offered a gig in arizona that i'm turning down because it's too close to the birth of my baby and i don't want nothing to happen i'm like you know if you know it was a paid trip out to phoenix to play like a, a private event um but it was too close to the birth of the baby and, and, and even though it would have been like a couple weeks out that was still too close for me. I was like, fuck that. I ain't doing it. Uh, I don't know if I would have did it anyways because I don't like... I just have lost the urge to go and travel and play music like that. I'd rather just... That's what's great about me and Raina is that we can go and travel together and play music. The only thing I really miss is the jam. Like a full band jam. So... But I don't know. Anyways, let's get back to, to this fool over here. And I, I think you do have a choice. But you could still live the other way if you wanted to. You, are you ever like tempted to like? That's the, that's the problem, the balance. Like I do have an urge because I want to create things. Like I'm, I'm happiest when I'm creating things. And I was talking to my manager and publicist. I had to really ask myself, do you want to possibly be famous again? Like, do you want to turn it up again? And I was like, Ugh. well, I'll just put the record out and just don't do any press for it or anything like that but then it's kind of a disservice to the music because i want people to like check it out i want people to hear it i had to find some balance we've been a little coy you have a whole flute album now uh i wouldn't call it a flute album it's an album but i am playing wind instruments uh sometimes it's native what i figured you would want that what is it I think it's your case. <gasps> oh, ooh, shit! Just got Stop. my. Oh, you gotta see how big it is. Look how beautiful Andre three thousand is. What a beautiful man. I know he's aging so gracefully too. He's so pretty. Yeah, like he looks great, man. Doesn't he? He looks great. He looks like he um, don't drink milk. <laughs> <laughs> he does his own laundry at a laundromat. Because he wants to be out in the world and practice his flute in the alley. <laughs> I love that. Oh man, this ain't the this ain't the one that they were given. This is the new one. That actually is kind of whack. They had one that was a hard shell. Mm. It's smushy on the inside. See if it has padding on the inside. It is. And I got this coin. My Sig 226 coin. Worthless. Look, you didn't even unbox it for everybody. You just like you should have oh. been to mainstream. Like, go to your big camera. This is a bag for my Zig P26 unboxed. Nader's left. Alright, here we're going. Oh, 
Oh, oh. I need that silica gel actually. What is this for? Oh, that's just a design. I don't like that. I, you know what I thought that was for? I can't see it. I don't know what this felt stuff is for. I thought it was like for Velcro. I'm going to save the silica gel. So this is 511. So six hour Legion re Range Ready. Let me read this. Legion Range Ready Bag. The Legion Range Ready Bags <clears throat> wrap around zip access to lie flat. Design allows quick access to the padded pistol compartment. The safety stores for your firearm. Heavy-duty elastic straps holding up to six magazines and an oil-resistant interior panel creates an instant workstation. Rugged self-healing zipper, foam padding for protection. Self-healing zipper? I don't know. <laughs> what does that even mean? I have no idea. Okay. Um, all right, here we go, guys. Here we go. This is for my pistola. Oh, I see. So it's like so. This is the oil thing that allows it to oil resistant, I guess. These are for your mags. Keep it dry. Yeah, it's like this vinyl type thing. I see what they're saying now. Well, it's not my favorite. I like my hard shell better. But at least I have two cases now. I didn't want to get rid of my other case for the for Rick because I wanted a case for my little guy, but there you go. Everybody could tell I was pregnant today. Oh yeah, the we're, first time. were they like, oh my god. Here, come show your belly. Like, Just stick your belly in. They were like, in here. are you having a baby? Who said that? Like some of the front desk people. Oh. Look it. There it is. There you go. Woo! Little baby girl in there. I know, right, Moving Dutchman? She popped out and she was like... It's third trimester. Boop. Yeah, we got 11 weeks left, guys. 11 weeks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, things are going to be crazy for the next couple months. So, just letting y'all know. We have an ultrasound appointment tomorrow. We're pretty excited about it. He yeah. finally... Or not an ultrasound appointment, but a doctor's appointment. But English finally gets to go. He's mm -hmm. been working. He went to all of Bishop's, but... Not... Yeah, well, I'm working different. Yeah. I think I was working full-time then, too. I just had everything blocked off. Were you working full-time? I think so. I don't remember. There was a while there where I was working full-time. <laughs> there was a while. Until the baby came. And then we decided, because you got offered the, the corporate position... That I would stay home with Saucy. Anyways, all right, back to Andre. Thank you very much for bringing that in here. Yeah, I figured you would want it. I'm going to go potty before I leave the room. All right, have fun. Thank you. All right, let's get back. Thank you for that thing. Who's he talking with? He's talking to GQ. He's just talking about his new album, how oh. it's all flutes and there's no bars or beats. Is everybody, like, stoked on it? Uh, What's the internet consensus of it? People are like, oh, one lady was like, uh, I'm still going to be twerking to that shit. I don't care. <laughs> like, most of his stuff, I mean, besides... Oh, no, like, twerking like Megan. <laughs> besides um, the Outkast albums, like, 
his like even when they did remember when they both did an album mm-hmm. and it was like Andre had an album oh, was, was that speaker box yes yeah. even when they did speaker box like his stuff wasn't the twerky stuff like mm-hmm. how big boys was uh huh well um <clears throat> Yeah, it's all improvised. No, <laughs> shut up. I wonder if it would be good for like meditation. Did you see the names of it? You read a couple yeah, to me. It was very fun. It's very fun. I love Andre 3000. I'm, I'm going to listen to it. it. I'm listening to it. it. It's supposed to be a vibe album. So it's not like supposed to be like, yeah, I'm getting it. That's what I'm vibe. saying. I feel like it would give off like meditation vibes. Mm. Like, you know. Of course, it was after he went to fucking take ayahuasca in the jungle. <laughs> I mean, you can't bang Erica Badu and do ayahuasca and expect to come out normal. <laughs> Those glasses are ridiculous. <laughs> All right, I, we're, I gotta get this done. With that drug addict say, they say, well, the longer I'm out of it, the better chances I have of staying out of it. So <laughs> That's it kinda, not what America wants to hear. I, no, I'm staying. And sort of refresh, he's talking about coming back to the mainstream back to the limelight by releasing a new album and he's found comfort in in having a life of, of, of peace and quiet and not you know everybody chasing him around while he goes and tries to take his kids to the park damn but it feels that way like as i keep going like it's like you keep slowing down too like people don't understand that there's a physicalness to to rapping I always but say it's like it's like being a boxer. Like you got to think. It's but don't you think like the genre is big enough to encompass all of that? Look at the the greatest boxers now. What do they do? They do exhibition fights every now and then, but they're not stepping in the ring ring. You know but what, what I mean? What if rapping wasn't boxing? What if it was? No, but it is title? though. That's what I'm saying. It is partly <laughs> physical. He said, "But it is though." <laughs> he said, "Bitch, <laughs> fucking, fucking rapping is physical." Partly mental. When boxers, when they're about to fight, they have to train. So if I were to make a rap album, the best thing I could probably do is just be around rappers. You know what I mean? But that's not part of your life right now, really. Yeah, it's not even like, I don't even like going to the studio and just hanging out with niggas smoking all day. You know, I just just don't. (laughs) He's like, I don't even, I don't go hang out. I feel that, you know, it's exciting when you're first and when you're young and you're into it and you're, you're trying to do stuff, but... You get older and you've been there, done that shit. It's just like, I'm not going and hanging out and watching some 22-year-old play in a shitty little club. I, I just, I'm not interested in that. Like, I really enjoy finding new music and, you know, young people expressing themselves and such. But <clears throat> I like to do it from the comfort of my own home. Gotta be weird to have all that energy directed Toward you, people coming up to you on the street or whatever, and be like, "Do this, do this, do this," and you're like, "I'm, I'm not gonna do it." I wish I could answer them. That's man. a lot of cosmic pressure. It's like being brought it to is. bear on you. It yeah. is. It is. And, and that's to that point. That t- that title, the first song. Yeah. I'm kind of addressing it in a way. Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Which I think, like, for me, like washing is kind of like cooking. Like, I like seasoned, seasoned food. Like, I hate bland food. Okay. So I season my clothes a lot. Where do you, I don't know how you see it. Does that mean fucking, like, make them smell good? Our uniform era, is that right? Yeah, I guess you definitely can call it a uniform. It's easy for me. Like, it's kind of like, even when I, when I look around now and I look at kind of what's happening in the world, like, everybody turned up in the late 90s and 2000s. Our contemporaries were looking at us crazy. Like, who are y'all? Yeah. Like, y'all are from another planet. 
now the planet is here, you know, like all, all the kids are turned came, up, you arrived. know what I mean? Like, which is beautiful. I just love this workwear kind of stripes and these overalls, they kind of, they're very comfortable. I call them like adult baby clothes. <laughs> <laughs> adult baby clothes. I want to live in adult baby clothes. It's feel like really comfortable and snug and like you have places to put your hands. This is yours, these overalls. Yeah. So wait, he just wears all overalls all the time, playing a flute, walking around LA. <laughs> what is the brand called? From now on, they will have no choice but to call us the Ants. This is a workwear brand, for sure. And like, when you look at Ants, it's like, they're always like working. I'm at the stage where I'm loving to do things with my hands. Yeah. You know, and things that I can do when I'm 75 years old or when I'm 80 years old. And that outfit reflects that. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't, think about clothing like I'm, I'm at work like I'm actually drawing or painting in these I still love it that like the young kids they'll come up like oh man your fit is fresh I'm like oh okay thank you man <laughs> <laughs> yeah the kids are just like yeah yeah it does feel good as an old person to be like or older cat and the next generation be like hey cool and you know it feels good because you know there's something magical about youth it's so fleeting but it's so like <clears throat> where you get all your fucking like your real good fucking like hard living done, right? To get to that next level, try to find comfort in, in mentally and yeah, physically, right? Like you want to be comfortable. Like when you get out of your 20s, you don't want to be still fucking living paycheck to paycheck. Oh, well, that's what happened. <laughs> that's what happened for me. But that's the life of an artist, I suppose. Do you feel like the uniform is... A reminder to yourself about the differences between now and say like the year 2000? It's actually the opposite. It's not a reminder at all. It's a forgetting. I don't have time to think about clothing. Some people like go into fashion, fashion, like I want to be free and like do all these things. There's a certain freedom in that too, but there's also a freedom in not having to think about it at all. What do you do while you wait usually when you're here? Uh, I usually go in the alley and uh, I play. I don't mean to be forward or ask for the art for free, but could we do that? I'm at a point now, like if somebody in the street was, were, to, were to ask me like, man, could you rap? Like, could you say something? I, it'd feel weird. I like, like, I have to like get my mind, like you have to get in rap mind or rap mode. But when people ask me, hey, can you play? I'm like, yeah, let's go. Yeah, yeah let's okay, play. Let's go. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> That's cool though. I, I can appreciate that. I can really appreciate that. I mean, when you listen to comedians who are getting, you know, famous comedians who are like, oh, say something funny, tell us a joke. And it's like, this isn't really the vibe for jokes, just like on the streets of fucking, you know, Austin. Uh, you know, come to my show or like, let's take a picture or like, who are you or something. But like, to fucking sit there and perform is like, Andre, spit some shit. It's like, come on, man. I would be, I'm that type of dude that wouldn't even ask him for shit. I would just be like, oh, there's Andre 3000. Cool. I got to get better at that. I'm going to be better at that, taking pictures and stuff and just being invasive. But I, I just never like that idea like of being invasive because I don't like that. I don't like getting off stage and being bombarded and talking to people. I honestly just go and sit in the back and talk to, you know, other musicians because it's so... Not that people are just going to come up to you and be like, you're so great, you're so awesome. But like even that, it's very nice, but it's exhausting and people want to talk to you and they want to fucking not steal your energy, but like, you know, be in that energy. And I don't like that a lot. Um, after a gig, I really like to just go and chill and kind of come down off of that, that high. 
and then I can sort of be human again. But if you're just coming off stage and going straight into party mode, it's a different situation altogether. <laughs> if you're in party mode, go to the stage and then leave the stage in party mode. You know, that's a different thing because when you're in party mode, you kind of do want to be like revered and have all the people like, yeah, you're the shit. And your it is just like, yes, please. But I'm past that point. And I'm not like a huge drinker. So I'm just not into the idea of being around a bunch of people and performing like that. I get what he's saying. I get what he's saying. And I respect him for that, honestly. I really do. I really respect him for that. Uh, I'm such a putz. Um, I respect that. And I like that he plays the flute for people because it's so new to him. I just feel like it's so important to constantly find new things to get yourself into as you get older. You just always want to be learning new stuff. As soon as you become complacent, it just seems to all fall apart. Complacent and just watch TV. You got to like exercise your brain. Read at least, you know, like something. Engage the imagination. Yeah. That big fucking thing, man. expression on it too it's very simple it doesn't have to be fucking you know a cacophony of notes it could just be very simple things and and you can feel it like you can hear something brewing in that you can hear talent and you can hear skill developing within those notes like you can hear it you can hear his own little style that he likes to put on it too so it's cool that's real cool Ah, oh, thank you. I'm just kind of feeling what's happening at the time, so I'm just kind of making it up as it, as it goes. Like, even the, the new album was completely uh, improv and made up. I knew when I told Raina that the new album was improv that she was going to fucking be like, ah! <laughs> the discovery path every time. So you never know what patterns you will play. You never know what me melodies you're going to play. You're on the tightrope at that point, so it's like, you got to do something. It's very interesting that I've never been a rap freestyler. I just think too much to freestyle. Mm. You know, but this like, is somehow accessing like a different part of the brain. Yeah, I'm not thinking at all. Listening more than anything, like listening mm. and responding. So when I started playing, it was kind of a thing like, if you didn't know of my history, if you didn't know of album sales, if you didn't know of records, you know, accolades or anything, like I, I was getting real responses from people that didn't, like actually people would come up and give me money like <laughs> yeah. he'll be playing on the street people just be dropping tens and shit hugo andre <laughs> that's hilarious are you aware that clips of you 
playing your flute various places? Uh, I became aware of it and it kind of made me more self-conscious because it became kind of like a game. I, I, I remember I was in Philadelphia and someone came up and they was like, you know, it's like a game now. Like an actual person, they were like, you know, you know, we try to spot you. And he told me, I was like, ah, oh, that's kind of, it's kind of weird now, you know, because at first <laughs> it was kind of like I would just walk for miles and miles and play and just kind of duck off in places. But now it's like, it's become a thing. Being famous is just, people don't want to say it. Like, it is a great blessing. Like I'm, I'm actually blessed to be able to create in front of people and get ideas off. That's the biggest blessing out of being famous. But being famous really sucks, man. Like it's so unhuman. Like I can't remember his name, but there was this classical pianist that said, it's actually unnat- unnatural and actually detrimental to a, a human to have that much admiration because it actually changes the way you think. It changes the way you move, you know, like. There's a hundred people on the planet Earth who were like as famous as you at one point. You know, like the experience that you've had and know, very few people know. You're like an astronaut in that sense, you know? I'm coming to grips with it, I think, because I'm older now. Like, I really see it as I'm just being used for something. You know what I mean? And I can just, I'm happy that I'm being used in a greater scheme. Like, I kind of have looked at my whole career and looked at where I am now. And I kind of feel like I'm a catalyst kind of artist where I'll do a thing that I naturally do. And then, you know, people see it. And then the reaction of that spawns other things to happen you know what i mean so i'm always watching well how am i how am i being used like you know yeah what's happening like what's what's going on right that's interesting whether it's by god the universe or the flying spaghetti monster he just he's feeling like he's fulfilling a purpose a divine purpose in the greater scheme of things which is beautiful to be able to touch that many people Touch that many people. Yeah. How dare you? Don't let it get this lady! It's not my jam. I don't buy jam. I buy honey and I kiss it on the lips. Right now, you know. And you can't be mad at that. Can't be mad at that. And then I want to ask about one more the last song. Dreams once buried beneath the dungeon floor slowly sprout into undying gardens. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that uh, that song, which is the last song on the album, just for information, that is actually the first song that we recorded as, as, as a group. We're creeping along and, and filling it out, and it just felt like this enchanted kind of garden at first. And so the title is kind of referencing that enchanted garden thing, but it's also like, I wanted to kind of like, go back to the very beginning. So I wanted to like pinpoint the dungeon, the dungeon where I'm from, you know, with- Outcast and Dungeon Family. So Outcast, Goody Mob, Organized Noise. And we started in Rico Wade's basement and it was dirt, like it, was actually, it wasn't a floor, it was actually a crawl space where the musical equipment was. And I just felt like um, there was a continuation. Like I always wanted to n- not, it's not a separate thing. It's a continuation from where we started, you know? So everything kind of goes back to the dungeon. And when you look back at it, yeah, we were kids and, you know, we were different in high school, but even, you know, choosing the name Outcast, it was like, okay, you kind of don't, you just don't fit in really. And I've really felt that way, even outside of music, just kind of in my life. Like, I don't really feel like I belong to any sect. I don't feel like I belong to the young rap crew. I don't feel like I belong to the aged adults. Um, yeah, I've just never 
yeah, I just don't feel like you fit in anywhere. So you just kind of got to take that and just, it is what it is, you know? I watched the clip of you guys being booed at the Source Awards this morning. You look so young. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we were, we were youngins, man. Are those fond memories when you look back on them at that oh, time? Oh, yeah, man. They, like, those times were the best times ever, man. Like, and you wish you could get them back. Like, you wish you can all go back and sleep on the dungeon, sleep at, on the floor in the dungeon. You know, time moves on and things grow, things change. Families come, new generations come, uh, generations after you come, even musically, you know. Even looking at the landscape of music now, like I'm so happy and blessed that I'm still alive to be able to see like a lineage, you know, to see it, like to Do be you see clear. It? Yeah, to, I, I see it and I hear it because a lot of these guys actually like reach out and like we, we, we talk. And I think uh, lineage is important in any art form and anything, because I think you do a disservice if you don't tell people where things came from. Hmm. I like that. I like that a lot. <clears throat> Because there is a lineage to this. You start carrying a, a torch. That's why I always like the definition of being an artist, or at least one of the definitions of being an artist as purveyors of taste, right? Like you're just sort of presenting your tastes of other influences that you sort of went into your head and creatively sort of rearranged and put out into something different. Um Yeah. Purveyors of taste, bitch. That's why, that's why it's like, um, when people are trying to say like, you know, white people, you know, stole black people's music, which is kind of true, obviously. But I also think it's that we're all just building off of each other, right? And that's what art is. That's what we're, that's what it's kind of, always been is just built on the last generation and moving forward and um yeah there there it's ridiculous to say that oh because black people played the blues now white people can't because we're all just sort of building off of each other and you know, that blues was built off of something else, right? It, it was something that came from, you know, the fields singing gospel songs. And those rhythms and those notes and the way that people sang came from Africa. And, like, everything has been built on itself, constantly changing. And it's stupid to be like, to just say that we have to regulate art to specific races it's like, you can't do that. You can't do that. You're, you're not the right color to do that. You don't believe the things I believe. So you cannot do that. Art has no boundary unless you put boundaries on it. And that's that can be fun too. But it's always fun to see, you know, just chaotic energy thrown out into... Uh, on a piece of canvas or in a piece of music or, or, or whatever it is that you're seeing. It's just, there's just a true beauty of capturing fucking chaos and, and presenting your taste to the world. When I'm making music, I always feel like, oh, I wonder what, uh, what George and them would think. Or I wonder if, if Jimmy was here, what would he think? 
you know, I, or I wonder what would Prince think? You're only as good as the people before you. Yeah. Mm. It's just true because those are your building blocks. And I don't care who you are, and it will always be that way. And it will just keep going. And that's, it's, it's, it's gratifying to know that your life has had meaning for someone or a group of people. And for such a long time. I mean, like I was saying, I see how young you are in that clip. I say, God, these guys were so successful, so young, you know? I, do you think about that? Like, did that, what kind of effect did that have on you? It was a blessing to be successful that young. Like, I think our career is kind of interesting because uh, since our very first album, we've gone platinum and just kept rising. Like, so next album was double, next three, next four. So it kept, it just kept rising. I think you're 13X today. The album Speaker Box, The Love Blow, was recently certified 13 times platinum with over 13 million record sales. Fuck. I heard. Yeah, I recently heard that, which is so crazy to me. Speaker Box, like, Love Blow. It's the best-selling rap album of all times. Golly. So, so, so Best-selling rap album of all time. It's something in it, because I'm always kind of trying to figure out, well, what's the, the bad in it? I don't know. I'm just a negator. We haven't taken a fall. Mm. You know what I mean? And I think sometimes you build character or you build something by failure. Idlewild may have been our slip. You know, you, you never know. The only thing you can do is be honest about what you're doing at hey, the time. Idlewild sucks. Because what you don't want to happen, you don't want to fall or fail when you were trying to mimic something or trying to appease someone else. Is that mm. what keeps you away from Outkast now? And I think there's a certain chemistry that, uh, that me and Big Boy have. I think people don't understand that chemistry changes. Outkast was a, a true chemistry. The elements we had were not supposed to go together a lot of times, you know, but it's something that, and I think they call it rocket fuel. Like when you have these kind of forces that may be opposing, but they're go going for the same goal, but they kind of get this this kind of reaction to each other and it makes magic. But as, as like people, like me and Big Boy, like, like we still tough, you know, like it, didn't, it hadn't changed and it'll always be that way because we were, we were friends first. Like we weren't put into a group together or anything. So we'll always have that. But plenty of people would get, especially since I think, at least for years, the understanding was that he would have kept going if you would have. Oh, no, big, man, Big Boy is, Big Boy, he is on it. Like, he's, he's back tomorrow? Yeah. He is the biggest cheerleader, like, for Outkast. <laughs> big Boy's, oh, man, we the fucking greatest. You know, he's, he's, yeah. he's the Muhammad Ali kind of, like. The love between you guys is very real, because I yeah. think that that energy, those different goals would have split other people up, not just as a group, but as, like, two human beings. That's really cool that he acknowledged that, you know, they were friends first. Dad, grab well, my mouse. Huh? Do you know where my mouse is? No. No. This is why you gotta take care of your stuff. So you know where the fuck it is. Bro. Did you shut the door? God damn it. Yeah? Shut the door. Oh, and I have one thing. What? You said that coming from the man who loses his air, everything he owns on a daily basis. That's because I have a disease. No, you don't. I have a disease. No, you don't. I have a sickness. I have ADHD. I can't help that I, that I misplace things I use every day. 
I do know that I'm not the controller. Big boy is not the controller of any of this. We couldn't have planned where we are, you know, so we can't plan an ending. You guys did reunite one time to play shows. So. After nearly a decade-long hiatus, Outkast began its 2014 reunion tour with a pair of performances at Coachella. 2014? Yes. I ain't been on stage in damn near 15, 20 years, so it's like, it was odd for me. And actually, right before the show, you see Paul McCartney walk and go <laughs> to the left side of the stage. And then Prince walks to the right side of the stage. <laughs> what the fuck, man? And, you know, there's new technologies like earbuds and shit. Like, I never used earbuds in my life. Like, yeah. we were always just in front of the monitors or listening to the speakers. So if you're watching the Coachella show, like, I got people in my ear talking and shit. And I'm just like, what the hell is going on? So halfway through the show, I was already checked out. Yeah. Like I was already in my bed at home. So I was just trying to get through it. Oh, my and so, God. Uh, <laughs> That's so fucking funny. That's so funny. It's so funny that as an artist, you can just be so over even your own image, your own music, your own bullshit, that it turns into just a job, just a paycheck. And I know that feeling. I know that feeling of, of sitting there and playing, you know, it, it, again, we're talking on different levels of, of music and, and of of, of of success and such but it, it's all the same shit at the end of the day it's like you're fucking you're there to do a job and play and do your best and, and move somebody musically and <clears throat> you know halfway through you're just like check the fuck out you're tired you're just like I want to go home especially for me in the bar like it's like it's like 1:40 in the morning and you're just like oh god just please end <laughs> it, it's a uh, you know and then sometimes it's just like wow this is incredible but like this dude is playing Coachella one of the biggest festivals in the fucking world and it's just like halfway through the performance he's like ugh please be over yeah the show happens and it was a bomb night it was horrible for in my eyes it, yeah. it was horrible the very next morning, I get a call from Prince, which I don't know him like that. I don't know how he got my number. I, 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 I do not know. And first thing he says is, you know what your problem is? You don't realize how big y'all are. And then he was like, you got to remind people who you are. And from that point on, like, it's like, okay. Is it weird to live like what? that's beautiful too? And Prince fucking being like, bitch, let these motherfuckers know who you the fuck are. That's beautiful. And and like it also speaks to, you know, this idea is like you work so hard to get to this place where you sold the you you made the best rap best selling rap album of all time. And you just get to this place where it's just become a job and stuff. And you you forget. We get used to these crazy situations in our lives, right? Like, we just get used to it. We just get you like, like a limp. <laughs> like a limp. You just sort of get used to it. And you just incorporates into your life. And, like, performing for, like, you know, 20,000 people. In Andre 3000's eyes, it was just like, oh, do I do this again? I mean, it just becomes 
a job. And uh, to sit there and be like, to change your mentality about it is is huge because you do need to go in there and you do. Here's the other thing is like, why get to this position just to give a half-ass performance? Why come out of retirement just to give a half-ass performance? Why, why, you, you, like, you got to remind these motherfuckers of why and how you got to that point. I love that. I love that advice that Prince gave. It's so good. Where knowing that if you wanted to next week, you could be on stage in front of 60,000 people. It's only weird in like the scale of, of thinking about that. You know, even when we did the Outcast 20, we opened up for Rolling Stones on one of the dates and I'd never seen that many people in my life. Was there like a mental adjustment to be like, oh, I'm, I'm by myself again? I'm I mean, there's been so many times in my mind where I, I thought I was done. Yeah. So it wasn't even like a struggle. It wasn't like, oh, what am I gonna do now? Like, yeah, there are times, even still now, like doing all of this. Like I remember a couple of weeks ago talking to my manager and publicist, I was like, I really had to ask myself, do I wanna be just out there again? Like to do the run, to do the PR, to like, and I, I really had to ask myself, and I honestly don't. I don't wanna, like I really enjoy my life. I, I like being able to do to do what I want as a civilian, you know, uh, when I, just walking in the world. But at the same time, I want to promote the music. So I'm only doing it to promote the music. Like I'm not, this ain't no, like no flex. And forgive me if this is like not something that's fun or comfortable to talk about because we don't have to, but it's like you. I hate that, that he did that. I hate that he apologized before he asked the question. I've done it before, but still, I hate it. We've talked in the past about actually having some amount of real social anxiety. Yeah, it's true. And you and you and it never goes away. It's like it's not like a, a cure all kind of thing. Um, it's just it just becomes a part of life and you just have to kind of like take a deep breath, smile a little bit and just get through it for tomorrow. That's the best I can I can say. It's true, man, especially if you put yourself in a position of being a famous anything. And you have social anxiety. It's just something you got to work through. You can't. You just can't sit there and just be fucking paralyzed with fear. You got to really fucking push yourself through that bullshit. I hate it. But once you get, for me, once I get into a space, so like going to a space where there's a bunch of people and I have to be social, and I have to talk. I first of all, I have to mentally prepare for that. But also, it's like. You just sort of have to push yourself through it and and uh, you, you just learn. You just learn to get through that shit. You just learn that you can just pretend to be like happy to be around all those people. It's not pretend. But once once I'm in a space for long enough and, I'm, and I start to actually feel comfortable, I'm able to sort of open up and start being more my, who, who I am and not just like this smiling fucking nervous sweaty guy hey you know do you think that's something that developed and i think they call that fake it till you make it reaction of fame or something you always for had. sure for sure i think that may have been a trigger like a, like a traumatic kind of thing because it's really unnatural to have that much attention as a human you know or to have that much expectation as a human i had to adjust people filming you all the time or just like coming up to you and like and that was so weird to me like very, very weird, weird to me and I didn't like it. It made me not want to play at all. It made me not want to come out 
at all. One thing a therapist told me, he was like, well, son, the thing that makes your art what it is, is the thing that you don't like either. So it's like, fuck, what am I going to do? What are you going to do? It's not like I can change it. Yeah. Just yeah. kind of rock with it. Do you feel mm -hmm. like something like the new record is like an attempt to just change the terms of the conversation in a way? I will say it's the most honest thing that I could do at the moment. And I feel really good about it. And one thing that I noticed listening back at the album is it's kind of a reset or a reintroduction of a new volume. I'm not trying to compete with people on the radio. Like most records that come out, when you master them, you master them to the loudest that they can go, you know? And I was having a conversation with the engineer and a lot of his engineer buddies, they were saying, we've realized as engineers that as humans, we've gotten as loud as we can get in human history. When you think about that, we can't get any louder. As an engineer, people send you files. A lot of times they look like these thick bars, mm -hmm. a solid bars when music looks, used to look like that. Sure, dynamic. Dynamic. Yeah. And so on the record, there's certain kind of suggested listening, you know, tactics like we would say, you know, listen at a low to mid volume, you know, because these are not bangers. When you listen to <laughs> These are bangers. <laughs> That's funny here. There's instructions. There's an instruction manual with this album. This stupid coin, this coin is so dumb. I swear to God, it's so stupid. And it costs $13. It just has an imprint of the gun on it. It's like, I'm sorry, but that's not impressive to me. Give me a bag with a hard shell like they used to give out. Sorry, I'm complaining. Music now, do you hear your influence? Yeah. Where do you hear it most? Uh, certain artists, uh, I see it visually. Mm. Um, I see it uh, more, more in spirit and people pushing things and trying, trying things. And I love, I love the, the spirit. Like I can I, hear it too. Cause I feel like Outkast made it okay to be like, you know, serious rappers that talk about serious shit, but also have a lighter side to it and also have a experimental side to it. Um, you know, they, they've always been open to push the limits and um, they made that a mainstream thing and made it available for uh, hip hop community, hip hop artists and rap artists, gangster rap artists, I mean, everybody. It's sort of, uh, again, opened the door more to the genre itself because it was sort of like a, you're hitting more of a demographic rather than just a certain group of people who are like hip hop fans. You're starting to hit people who like, you know, rock music and pop music and, and just different genres who are coming to your album being like, wow, this is really something different, progressive and stuff. So um, you can definitely see that. I definitely see that spirit in, in a lot of rappers and hip hop nowadays. And it's cool that Outkast was like one of the first acts to sort of uh, make that okay. I think I'm happy that people caught on on the spirit part. Like you see Tyler and them, you see like Tizo touchdown and those guys, like you're like, ah. what the coolest thing is, it's not like a signing, it's not like a copy, it's the next, it's a lineage. Mm. Yeah. It's a lineage. Like wow. these people got their own thing. Like, Do dude. you allow yourself to picture how people might react to this record when it's out in the world? Yeah, I do. What do you picture? I have a lot of different outcomes and it depends on different people. Like you may get someone that cries. You may get someone that immediately starts to do yoga. 
Then you got the homie that be like, y'all can put some beats on that shit. Like, <laughs> my friends don't always like my music, which is hilarious to me. Like one of my homies told me like after I finished Hey Ya and I played it for him, uh, <laughs> he said, he said, man, if you put that out, man, your career is over. <laughs> <laughs> and in my mind, I'm like, damn, but I like this shit. Though. <laughs> Do you have any other plans around it in terms of will you tour will you oh yeah oh man i'm glad you asked that so the cool thing about how we recorded it making up the sound like everything that y'all are hearing we made it up at at that point and so the live performances will be that again so we get to actually go out and do it live and like i actually had to go back and listen and relearn some of the melodies that i played but it'll always be a completely new performance every time have you thought much about just being on stage again yes I have, and it's terrifying. <laughs> it is terrifying. It's a very new experience for me, like which is totally different from getting on stage and rapping some songs. There's more involved in what I have to do now than rapping songs that I've written. That's kind of like muscle memory and just energy, and you're able to hide some of the nervousness through your energy. Here, it's all in your face. You're on a tightrope the whole time. Like I can't hide behind a beat that you already know or hide behind lyrics that you already are into. It is what it is. It's fun to do it, like when I'm, when I'm actually playing, it's fun, it's fun. Well, that's sick. I am fucking sold, son. I am sold, I am into this new shit that he's about to be doing. 